At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to Basically, I am your host, Stephanie Preisner. And today I have an episode that a lot of you have asked me for on the government's new Housing for All plan. I read the executive summary And in order to get some more clarity on it, I have invited the political correspondent for the Irish Examiner, Paul Hosford, into the studio. Can you give us a bit of insight, first of all, as to what this is and why it has come to be? Well, I suppose the the main thing that you have to remember is that this government is about 16 months old and its biggest mandate when it came into being was to solve the housing crisis. And like you said, the executive summary for for Housing for All really sums up the, the main issue. And in its first bullet point, it says that a new plan is needed because there are not enough houses to buy or rent in the private sector. And that's what that's what this plan aims to address. And I suppose the the, the thing that it tries to do or, or will try and do its baseline level for success is improving affordability and availability of houses. One of the key kind of uh, measures of, of its success or failure internally is going to be whether or not it will reduce house prices in Dublin. Uh, the aim is to get house prices in Dublin to around about 250,000, 325,000 euro. Uh, and that will kind of be seen as addressing the overall system because we know that Dublin is generally an outlier. It's, it's generally more expensive. So if you get the prices in Dublin, generally succeeded across the country. Uh, the plan replaces uh, the Rebuilding Ireland strategy. Um, that was announced when Simon Coveney was, was Minister for Housing in 2015-16. It, it was a strange document when you look back on it. It, it kind of set targets for different sectors to deliver housing, but never really committed to how it was going to get there or how to fund it. We know that that Fine, Gael, uh, that Fine Gael government that was kind of propped up by Fianna Fáil in, in confidence and supply was reluctant to get directly involved in the, in the building of houses, even though uh, house completions in in 2015 and in, in 2016 hit record lows. So that document kind of said, this is where we're going to get to, but never said how we're going to get there. Housing for All is a lot more comprehensive. It's fully funded. It commits about €4 billion Euro from the Exchequer every year to, to go and do it. It was needed because this government needed to make a statement and say, this is how we're going to fix the, the housing crisis. I, I think if you look at, uh, you know, uh, election manifestos, it's probably a little shy of what was promised. Uh, but I think, you know, I suppose that, that comes down to manifestos not having to exist in the real world. Uh, so I, I suppose that the document itself exists because... The government needs to say this is what set out its stall really and say this is what we're going to do to fix what is really becoming the, the societal issue of our time. And so th- this has been an issue before, right? And like I, so I live in one of those very, very huge estates in North Dublin, in Cabra, where like, you know, there's just vast amounts of houses all usually surrounding a green area, but they're all, and, and sort of all named after like rural Irish places. Um, and they were all built by Fianna Fáil, probably like in the 30s or 40s. Is this document like, I know that Fianna Fáil tried to identify themselves as like, identify themselves as the party that builds houses, like housing is one of their big things. Do you think that the that Fine Gael and their last, like Fine Gael are less concerned about building houses and this document is more robust because Fianna Fáil are in there or why do you think, or do you think it's just a response to maybe the sort of Sinn Féin wave that happened in the last election? Yeah, well I think there's, there's probably two strands there. Uh, Fianna Fáil definitely paints itself as a, a party that 
can deliver housing and delivering housing is, is what they would argue sets themselves apart from from Fine Gael. like you said the likes of Cabra and Marino and Fairview and, and Crumlin and Drimna would have been built in the 30s 40s and then the, there was and uh, 50s and there was a huge uh, social housing uh, kind of building program in the 70s across the country and it was all kind of Fianna Fáil led uh, we were I was at the, the Fianna Fáil think in on Thursday and the Taoiseach is, is very clear that Fianna Fáil is a party of delivery, that they know how to work the levers of, of government, that they know how to, I suppose, navigate the, the machinery of the of the civil service to get things done. Uh, and one of the things that they, they'll do here is is really deliver on what they say. But I suppose the, the, the thing about this document and the thing about this plan is that Everyone in government is committed to it because they have no choice to, but to be. Uh, you, you mentioned that there, Sinn Féin really uh, just excelled on housing in the last general election. Real, um, I, I suppose, the winning and losing of the election in a lot of ways for, for a lot of people was the, the debates on housing. And, uh, and I think if you look at the profile of people who were voting, a, a lot of people would have been, you know, previously it was probably the voting when they... Like, yeah. Yeah, and, and a lot of people would have had, you know, kids sitting at home with them who are in their 20s and 30s and they, you know, they realise that they maybe can't vote for the parties they would have voted for because it's not working for their kids. And that's, you know, that that was a big kind of deciding factor for a lot of people. So this government is, this document is, you know, it's, it's a long document. It's well, you know, it's, it's kind of well put together, but it's also a really, really important document. I, I think it's it's its success is whether or not this coalition survives or not whether or not I suppose and whether or not Fianna Fáil survives or not it's it really tied itself to it on, on Thursday morning on the radio Sean Fleming essentially admitted that Fianna Fáil lives or dies by delivering houses as set out in this document um, and we'll get into the document now but I just think that there's uh, the reason that I wanted to cover this on the podcast is there's this sort of cynicism about government that has crept in understandably because of all the you know, all the missteps and all the sort of leaking and the infighting that's been happening. And I think people have lost a bit of hope now in terms of like, oh, it's just another document. It's just people talking. They're not actually going to do anything. We need Sinn Féin to come in. All that sort of rhetoric has come in. And so I wanted to speak to you about breaking down this document so people understand this is actually what they are committing to. And then because we will have understood it, we'll be able to track and see if it is actually coming to pass. So the document highlights the issue that there are not enough affordable houses for people to rent, not enough affordable houses for people to buy privately. Um, and then there's not enough supports for people to be helped to buy, I suppose. Um, do you want to talk us through, um, so those are the problems as the document as the document sees it, um, if I've missed any, you can you can fill them in. But what are Fianna Fáil or what are the government, the coalition, suggesting as a way to tackle this huge issue? Not just in Dublin. Yeah, well, I I think if you if you look at the the housing minister Darrell O'Brien and to give him one of, I, and I've done this in print a number of times, give him his his credit. He understands that the housing system is, is, is what's broken that, and that there's no silver bullet here, that you can't just fix this by doing one thing. The one stroke of a pen is not going to fix it. So the, the document itself lays out a number of what they call pathways. Uh, the first one is to support home ownership and increase affordability. Now, the, the government, uh, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, have always maintained that increasing supply will, will increase affordability. So if you increase the supply, from where we're at now, which is, if you go back to the last non-COVID year, we, we hit about 21,500 homes. They're looking to add, they're looking to make that about 33,000 a year uh, with with that. Uh, within that, you'd have 6,000 affordable homes to, to be made available for purchase every year through either your county councils, through approved housing bodies like the likes of Fluid or Tua, uh, the local or the land development agency. And then uh, uh, there, there's this talk of a strategic development between the state and rental banks uh, the local local authorities are going to be given huge amounts of money to uh, make the, to make possible a, an affordable purchase scheme which is where the council would essentially take a, an equity stake in the in the home to bring the price into a into an affordable bracket for people does then that mean the, that the council the, will like own some of your house yeah they will and, and the way that the system is, is kind of kind of laid out the you would never have to repay that equity 
it would kind of it would only be when the house is sold or passed on that it would uh, it would come to be paid off so right, okay. it's not like it's not like the the shared equity scheme uh, yes, for okay. first time buyers which which is another aspect and that will include a, a, a service charge which kicks in in year 6 uh, so what you does don't that mean? have the, to the government will help you to buy the house and then after 6 years you pay them back how much they've helped you well, no, you don't. You don't pay them back the the amount. There is a service charge that kicks in. Uh, you never have to pay off. It's the same thing. You never have to pay off the full equity. Um, you can do that when when you pass on the house or when when you you sell the house. The shared equity scheme does have. Uh, they call they they call it a service charge. It kicks in a, a year, um, year six, and then it goes up in, in year ten and year fifteen, uh, and and. Uh, and and then uh, the final one kicks in kicks in around year twenty. It's I suppose it's, it's just to fund the actual um, the actual scheme itself, you know. Um, so and who who the, is that? The, like, are who can get these? Like, if people are listening now, like, who is going to be eligible to get either the one from the council or the shared equity, or are most people just going to be left to their own devices to deal with the bank and buy the gaff? Oh, well, I suppose the, the, the thing is that most of these schemes uh, and the, the government's particular focus in these two schemes particularly is on first-time buyers, the kind of people who uh, you'll, you'll hear them referred to as, as caught in the rent trap. They're either paying exorbitant rents or they're living at home. Uh, the, the, first time, the first home scheme uh, is, the, is the official name of the shared equity scheme. It, that's, that's going to be aimed at a... That's kind of aimed at people who they might have got some of the way there, but can't get the, the last bit of the, the deposit. The, the government will take uh, will take a, a it's targeted at, at first time buyers. Uh, there's consideration uh, being given to providing access to other groups uh, who who may have had say the likes of somebody who's getting divorced or, or separated from their partner. If there's a relationship breakdown there, um, and they can't keep the the family home, that they might be able to have that opened. Uh, opened up to it, the the government will take uh, an equity stake of of up to thirty percent. So you know that that's fairly sizable. It brings back in, uh, I suppose, it brings a lot of homes into your what, that range, warrant yeah. into your in, in your price range back into them. Uh, there will be there will be price uh, caps on that, um, depending on where you're uh, on where where you're living. So in the likes of Dublin City, that the home will have to be. Uh, Will have to be about five hundred thousand euro, um, or or less. Uh, South Dublin, Wicklow, uh, Fingal, four and Cork, four hundred thousand. And then for the lower caps, you're talking about the likes of Cavan, Donegal, Leitrim, Longford, Mayo, Monaghan, Sligo, and Tip uh, at two hundred twenty-five thousand. So if you think of if you think of say those lower caps, thirty percent, you're talking about uh, you're talking the goods of sixty thousand euro. So if you can get to Maybe sixteen thousand. If you've got about fifteen, sixteen grand in savings, but you can't get to the to the next level, and you you can't borrow to, to bridge the gap to a two hundred and twenty-five thousand euro home, the government would take up to thirty percent in that equity. You'd start paying your you'd start paying your mortgage. service charge then in, in year six. You pay your mortgage as normal, and if you ever came to sell the house, the government would take thirty percent of the sale price. Great. Um, okay, so we've covered what there? We've covered the shared equity and the council. Yeah, the, the, the council-led affordable uh, affordable uh, purchase scheme is, uh, I suppose, is the other uh, arm of this uh, arm of this move in the same way that there'll be no service charge as such. Um, um, but it's, it's kind of the, the, the same thing. Uh, local authorities will lead it uh, and will be able to kind of set it up uh, within, I suppose, the, the, the next uh, couple of months. And how is it like, how do people differentiate? Is, 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 is the council one then for people who can't get the bulk of that deposit together? Yeah, so it, it's kind of for the council one. There's there's, there's a cap on earnings. There, there's talk that the okay, so it's means tested. Incre- increased, so that's more that's more means tested. It's, it's more for and, and in Dublin, there you're talking about an average sale price of about two. They're talking between two hundred and fifty and three hundred thousand. If you're looking at the first home scheme with the equity, you can go a bit higher. Um, so it's probably people who have a little bit more um, access to, to credit or or have a higher credit ceiling. Okay. 
Just while I have you, I thought I would take the opportunity uh, for a quick break to tell you about Headstuff Plus. Headstuff Plus is our Headstuff community, which you pay five euro or whatever you want over that uh, per month. And for that, you get extra bonus episodes that nobody else has access to of my podcast, but also of all of the podcasts on the network we all do bonus episodes we call it BOMA bonus material for you guys you also get access to early access to tickets for in-person recorded podcasts live podcasts which I cannot wait to do plans are afoot and uh, discounts on merch and other exciting things it's totally well worth it it's a fiver a month and it helps to support me and keep the podcast going this month our my BOMA is with my actor friend Jack Hickey who I went to drama school with and it is um, yeah, just the inside scoop of what I was like at drama school and what it is like to be an actor in Vikings and other things that he is in um, so you can go to headstuffpodcast.com and join the community there if you want to I would be very grateful thank you Okay, so what's next that we need to know? I, I, well, I, <laughs> I mean, for me, it, it's kind of, there's, there's a lot. But then I suppose if we stay on, on affordable housing, uh, one, of the, one of the big changes is the Land Development Agency. A lot of people will hear about this. It's been very, uh, I suppose, been very divisive uh, since it's been uh, floated. A lot of people are talking about it as kind of an Irish water for housing where it would take a lot of the, the state involvement into into a semi-state company. Um, it's going to be capitalised um, with about 1.5 billion or 1.25 billion from the Ireland Strategic Investment Fund. So that's it's not coming directly from the Exchequer, but it is state funding. It's going to be allowed to borrow 1.25 to match that. And then uh, an extra 300 million on top of that uh, so what's the- was added in, in in housing for all. So the LEA is basically um, the consolidation of state land across the country. Uh, it was it was announced a number of years ago. It hasn't really got uh, got going because it wasn't on a on a on a statutory footing. That was rectified in June with the with the passing of the land development agency bill. It's going to aim to build in the next couple of, in the next couple of months or uh, next couple, maybe eighteen months. It, it wants to build twenty six thousand homes on state lands. Um, if you look uh, if you look at the the likes of Say the Inchy Core area in Dublin. There's there's a lot of land owned by Irish Rail there, or was owned by Irish Rail. The Cork Docklands, uh, the area around Colbert Station in Limerick. These are all massive land banks. And a, and a few years ago, when he was Housing Minister, Simon Coveney set up this database of of, of public land banks. And the LEA's job is to come in and consolidate all of that. It has plans currently for six thousand homes on twelve sites, but uh, that were state lands. And the whole idea is that. Rather than having a number of agencies involved, the LDA would just centralise what was happening and deliver the housing. And are um, these houses going to be owned by the state, like council houses, or are the is this for private development? Yeah. So the 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 ruling the rules around the LDA are, are kind of they're kind of related to where it is. But in any place that the LDA's housing is over. Um, or anywhere that the population is over 150,000, then the LDA needs to have um, a, a large percentage of social and affordable housing. Now, the issue that a lot of people would have is what actually constitutes affordable. Um, affordability isn't tied in in this document or in in legislation to earnings. It, it, it's increased uh, the the raises in, in price are actually linked to overall inflation so if you're somebody who i mean if your earnings aren't going to go up and house wasn't affordable to you before the fact that it's called affordable now doesn't really doesn't really do a whole lot for you so the lea is the the aim for it is to build uh mostly social and affordable houses on state lands right okay and then in so does that mean that so say in Inchicor there's a big plot of land that the LDA own. Do they get private developers to be, like who's building these houses? Well that's uh, that's one of the the major major questions about the entire document. Uh, but 
the, the fact is uh, there's no state building company. There's, there's nobody who can build on scale in, you know, the Department of Housing doesn't have, you know, 10,000 builders at its, uh, at its fingertips. So private developers are used all over the country by everyone who, who builds a house anywhere. Um, so I, I suppose, uh, you know, it, it, it was one of the questions is where are we going to get the, the workers? Because this, this document aims to go from 21,500 homes built a year to 33,000 homes built a year. Now, at the minute you're talking, there's about 40,000 people involved in house construction in, in Ireland. Mm -hmm. uh, the document says that to get to 33,000, you would need to get up to uh, 67,500 workers. Now, that's, aim that's adding nearly 75% to the overall workforce. But it says that if you want to get to 33,000 and if there's a significant backlog caused by COVID, then you might need to get that to 80,000 workers. Now, that's doubling the size of uh, of the the workforce. Now, training the likes of carpenters or electricians or plumbers takes a number of years. So it takes three or four years to, to get somebody up to speed. We don't have uh, that kind of time frame, uh, I suppose, really to, to wait around. Um, so massive, massive effort has to be put into training up a lot more people, people. Uh, the t yeah and the and the tea shop was very very clear last or when the two weeks ago when this document was uh, was released that you know he was saying to, to people leaving school that an apprenticeship is very much worth your while because there will be work there will be uh, you know the, this document is funded you know we know that we're gonna that the state at, at least is going to build about uh, build about half of the three hundred thousand homes that it's aiming to, to build by by uh, 2030 so there is going there to be is work there in that. Um, and I guess yeah exactly um, uh, you know this document more than me so uh, obviously bring me back if I go wrong but does this mean that so this is the housing for for all plan right so it's a government document that aims to give a pro create a provision of housing for those who can't afford housing at the moment or are finding it too difficult for those people who are currently not finding it difficult, people who are extending their houses, who have loads of access to income, who just want to build their house on this site that they bought in, you know, Ballygo, wherever, are those people, like, are, are those people and the people who can't afford housing vying for the same building, for the same, like, for the same builders, for the same access do, do you know what I mean? Like it, when the government take into yeah. account the amount of people who are looking to access housing, are they taking into account the people who are privately doing it and hiring private builders on private sites? Yeah, well, I suppose that's one of the things that, that that's impossible to ignore is that there has been a resource shortage. And in any resource shortage, I mean, if you and I had two biscuits on the plate and we both wanted two biscuits, you know, that constitutes a resource shortage and technically we're, we're vying for the same thing. So then whoever can uh, pay you know, enough for them, like whoever's going to pay more is going to... And, and this... Yeah, and this is this is the issue that, you know, if we don't scale up the, the resource pool of, of workers and, you know, people who are building homes and, and anyone who's listening who is in that process of building a home will know that the likes of materials will become very, very expensive in recent months. Uh, there's a timber shortage around the world. Uh, a lot of it's being bought up by China. So a lot of the timber being manufactured in Europe is being shipped to China. And it's very hard to get for people who are building homes here. And, and that's adding costs to the, to the price of homes. So if you get to a point where the government is building 18,000 homes a year and the, the pool of available carpenters or, or, or electricians doesn't go up, then when you go to build your one-off house, if the government's doing 18,000 homes a year and the private sector's doing 15,000 homes a year, then you're going to find yourself looking harder if, if we don't get to the point where we have that extra 27,000 workers. And or is it going to be the case that the government are saying, look, uh, John with the construction company, I want you to build these 10 houses in Cabra. I'll give you a million, right? Just let's say. And so John starts away and then Mary has a plot of land in Cavan and she wants to build her one-off house. So she says to John, actually, I'll give you a million just to build one of them if you just do that really quickly for me. That like we're all, it's going to, 
the the lack of while we're trying to increase supply of housing, we're not acknowledging the lack of supply of workers, which is actually going to increase the cost of labor. Which yeah, and, and this is yeah, and that's that's this is the this is the thing, and, and to be you know to, to give this document its credit, it does understand that, that there is a, a kind of a, a societal uh, uh, response here that we have to solve the number of workers, that we have to solve the availability and, uh, and affordability of land, that you have to get the legislation right. Uh, you know, the, the, this government has passed a lot of housing, uh, I think seven uh, pieces of legislation in, in 16 or 17 months to deal with housing, but there is a, an attempt to overhaul the entire system. And the problem with that is that these things take time. That it's going to take, you know, it, you know, uh, Daryl O'Brien is, is confident that we'll start to see the impact of this document next year. Some people, uh, you know, some people are warning that you won't see, you won't see it for a couple of years. If you think of something like um, earlier this year, there was there was a controversy around the, the sale of uh, family homes to vulture funds, and the government came in and, and they they introduced uh, introduced rules about the numbers that can be sold. They introduced a, a change to the stamp duty for uh, in institutional investors. Uh, but those those changes won't really see any impact for about two or three years because the vast majority of large home builders will have already pre-sold homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you if you live near uh, near a ho- near a housing development, if you look at you know the ones that are just at foundation level now for you, or or the, the walls might have gone up, um, you know. A lot of them are already sold. If if you look at the the annual reports of the the big house builders who are who are PLCs, they will have they'll say, look, we've got forward sales of about a thousand for the next three years. And so the vulture the fund situation is where like an external company, maybe not even an Irish company, come into a new development. They're like, we'll buy all of these houses and then we'll rent them to people. Is that it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in some cases, uh, you know, I. At a piece a couple of months ago about a, a development in out in Ongar and in, in just outside Blanchetown, where the, the Vulture Fund bought a load of uh, apartments, uh, sold some to the council, but are now doing what's called an enhanced lease. Uh, the, the government kind of envisages an end to enhanced leasing. Enhanced leasing is basically the local authority says we will rent this off you for 35 years uh, at a rate about 95% of market rate, 90 to 95% of market rate. But at the end of the 35 years, the local authority turns the asset back to the, to the vulture fund. So the vulture fund gets 35 years worth of rent and then at the end can sell the, the asset. And, and it's one of those things where the short term uh, problem is solved because the, the local authority, which is under pressure to, to house people in its, in its area, has housed a family or, or a single person. But in 35 years, if whoever's in that home could find themselves being, you know, sold from under their feet. Wouldn't it be great uh, if people had the sort of outlook that Arthur Guinness had where he was like, I am going to, <laughs> I'm going to keep this rent for, is it like a thousand years or something? Um, well, well, that's a, that, that is one of the things. There's no, there, there hasn't been for, for maybe the last decade, maybe, probably the last two decades, a long-term strategy to kind of say, well, how are we going to get, you know, how are we going to live 30, 40 years into the future? Um, you know, if you look at how things were done in, in the boom, there was a you know we were talking about a, about a hundred thousand homes a year being being built, but it was all developers with access to cheap credit, and there was that's, no oversight that's on what that. I don't understand. Like a few years ago, like a good few years ago, we were talking about ghost estates and how it was horrendous that there was these large estates in all across the country that were empty, and. And now we're like, there's not enough houses. Are all those ghost estates filled? Have all like, are we just has the pendulum swung completely the other direction now? Yeah, and one of the things, that, one of the things that you, I suppose that that you have to remember is that we got to, we actually handled the ghost estate thing quite well. Um, afterwards, you know, it was you were talking maybe 2017, 2018, the, the the Department of Housing had kind of filled the vast majority of them. They, they, you know, there was obviously, um, there was obviously exceptions for places that were in the middle of, that might have been in the middle of nowhere or there was a couple that were built without being linked to to a, a main road so the estate was literally in the middle of a field you could get you could get into the estate if you kind of got to the gate but it wasn't actually linked to the local infrastructure some of those have been remediated uh, w- what really happened is that in the crash housing took a, a huge 
huge backseat. And if you think about a place like Adamstown out in uh, out in West Dublin, uh, Adamstown was the first new town built in Ireland since since Shannon. Uh, launched with a huge amount of fanfare. Um, Bertie Hearn was out, broke the ground at the train station in 2005. Work began kind of 2007. Uh, this was going to be, you know, six, seven thousand homes, uh, a new, uh, a, a new kind of urban center with a swimming pool and a cinema and shopping center in in the town square. Uh, what actually happened was that between 2000, kind of 2007, 2008. About a thousand homes were built. Uh, the, the first couple of schools went in. There was there was kind of a local shop, it's a, like a, a kind of a local convenience store, not not really a, a supermarket. They were all built, and then the crash happened. And it's it's kind of the perfect example of, of what happened was that building didn't actually restart until the end of 2015, the beginning of 2016, when things started to pick up in the economy. So basically, for for five or six years, we just fell massively behind because. So there was less demand. People weren't weren't able to move. They they didn't have the access to, to mortgages that, that that they might have had because the banks were in such a bad way. But the the, the scale of forward planning just wasn't there. And it wasn't until around about 2014, 2015, and it was particularly rough sleeping and homelessness which put the spotlight on on housing first. There was a you know if you remember the the death of Jonathan Curry outside mm-hmm. the doll. Uh, at that stage, Alan Kelly, who was the, the minister for housing, called a uh, a major summit of all of the homeless groups and it was then that housing started to kind of creep onto the the national agenda as an issue but at that stage really um and, and you know the the media probably uh probably has to hold its hands up as well in this at that stage a lot of people should have been hammering alarm bells to say look we need to get this we need to grasp this nettle we need to get it sorted and it wasn't you know uh, you know we're kind of probably going to be living with the with the fallout of it for another three or four years and, and that's why this document is, is so important uh, and even you know some of the, some of the major criticism of it in, in recent weeks has been that it's not ambitious enough uh, john moran who was the, the chair of the lda he was he was saying that look if you're if you think you need 30,000 33,000 homes you should be planning to get to 40 or 50,000 that, that but is you, that not just has. like is it not is that not just like this isn't being overly ambitious? This is what they can actually deliver. They're being realistic about what they can do rather than saying, oh, yes, we'll build a million homes and you'll all be kings. They're being like, no, let's be really realistic. This is how many we're going to do. And even at that, we don't have enough staff or we don't have enough labourers to do this. So we need your help, society. It's not just on us to build you a house like we need you to have the skills to to make this happen. Yeah, and that's I suppose that's one of the, the joys of not being in government is that you don't have to be realistic in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, if you're if you're on the outside, you can say build four hundred million houses a, a year, and nobody will, you know, nobody will really take that, that as seriously as they would if yeah, Daryl Bryan came out and said it. Exactly, like opposition um, can be so it's a very easy place to be. Yeah, yeah, and I think one of the things I, I suppose. So, you know, ideologically, uh, the the issue from the opposition is largely to do with the 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 level of affordable houses, uh, as opposed to um, as opposed to what's in the what's in the document. And then one of the big criticisms is that I suppose if you look, the the whole plan aims to do three three hundred thousand homes by by twenty thirty, uh, but one hundred and fifty six thousand of those are from the the private sector. And opposition politicians, and particularly Owen O'Brien, made the point that. The government can't really say what what the private sector is going to build. They don't know because they're not in those offices every day. If if one of the big PLCs, if like if a Glenbay or a Cairn, you know, decided against building on on a plot of land that it has because the prevailing market conditions are are not there, then you might miss out on on six or seven hundred homes. Yeah, and, but like why? Then I understand bringing up that point, but like. The demand is there. Why would Glen Bay or any other company say, actually, do you know what? We won't bother. Like, the demand, people are literally knocking on the door for the house. Oh, absolutely. And I suppose the the, the, the demand is there. But again, I suppose Darrell Bryan says, you know, in the in the press conference for the launch of this, said that, look, all of this is based on a lot of knowledge within the, within the department. We're well placed to know what we're what we're at and what the, the private you know they have meetings with the private sector constantly yeah. about what they think might be delivered but i suppose it's just it's very difficult nine years out to say 
we're going to do this, you know yeah. x number of homes and can i just ask before we move on and and i hope i'm not skipping anything but um we'll move on to what they're suggesting for rental um when they say that they want to bring the average price of a home in Dublin down to two hundred and fifty thousand euro, does what does that mean for people who currently own homes in Dublin and their value? Well, I suppose that's that's the that's the two sided the, the double edged sword of it, isn't it? It's the, it's this idea that if your house price comes down, having been having bought at the, the top of the market, what does that mean? And I, I suppose if you're listening and you're somebody who might want to sell your home in, in a few years and you paid 450 grand for it, uh, the government's saying that in a few years your house might not cost that much. It's You're probably not not really interested in hearing that, but I, I suppose what they're hoping on, what they're banking on is, is that buy into if everything's more affordable, the cost of everything around you will go down. Uh, so if, if housing isn't as expensive, it'll be a lot cheaper to do other things. Uh, but yeah, like that, that, that is a, an interesting point that a lot of people, if house prices went down, would actually lose out and through no fault of their own, having just you know bought at the, the point in the market that they were. But I guess were that's the issue, at. isn't it? With nimbyism, um, nimbyism for those listening is not in my backyard, that like when someone has bought a house and they have got themselves secured, they no longer really want the housing. They no longer want this solution because it it means that like if you currently have a house in Dublin and the government do what they say they're going to do, your house is going to reduce in value, not just in Dublin, anywhere in the country. Like if you buy now, your house will reduce in value if this comes into play. Yeah, and (laughs) that's... I suppose suppose that's the the rub, isn't it? That if, if house prices do go down, a lot of people are linked to that and, and they might find themselves in, in what we used to call negative equity, which was kind of uh, a throwback to the, the beginning of the crash where a lot of people who... who Your house is no longer worth home, what you paid for it and you can't what you paid get for money back. Um, yeah. Okay, so moving on from that depressing note, um, <laughs> if, if, if that's correct to do so within the document, what do the government have as a provision for people who are renting? Or I have, I, the, the, have the, I missed a bit in the building no no that's there's plenty in building i mean we could you know this is a this is a 160 page document so oh, i did actually have one will. question from a listener to say have the government said that you can no longer just build a one-off house randomly in the countryside if your parents gave you a plot of land or you bought it no no the uh the junior housing minister peter burke was at a meeting with macro and a a couple of weeks ago and he told them look one-off rural housing has always accounted for about 25 percent of the homes that we build in Ireland, there's no plans to to uh, that. adjust that or, or, or to change that. Uh, what, there had been kind of a, a social media rumor that the, this was going to be banned from March. Uh, that's not that's not the case. You will still be able to build. Uh, you know, uh, approvals for one-off rural housing are, are actually, in terms of planning permissions, they're about 86, 87 percent uh, get approved. So there, there's no real. Um, issue there one of the politically it it will become an issue because greens are uh got a a thing into the the program for government which is called town centers first it's a it's a plan that would get people to move back to rural areas but in service sites near the town center rather Mm -hmm. than outside in in one-off housing Uh, so i suppose there's there's a political fight to be had there but there's no actual change to the law coming okay great so let's move on to renters then yeah, so I suppose the, the big flagship for renters is uh, what they call cost rental um, homes. This is, and I'm, I'm at risk of sounding like the minister here, but I've, I've heard him say it at a number of press conferences. This is a, a brand new type of tenure. It's never been done in Ireland before. The first homes are coming onto, onto the market uh, in the next couple of months. It's basically what, what's going to happen is that uh, approved housing bodies, so uh, the likes, the likes of your your fluids and your tours and your respawns are going to build homes that are around about twenty five percent below market level. So in Dublin, you're looking at you could be looking at rents for for family homes about nine hundred and thirty five nine hundred and fifty euro. Uh, the, the aim is to build two thousand of those a year uh, over the, over the lifetime of this document. So you're you're talking about twenty thousand by the or eighteen twenty thousand by the end of the so the, who's going to own the document's them? lifetime. They, they'll be owned by the the AHBs, uh, the the approved housing bodies. They'll okay. take out, they'll basically buy them the way that they they always do. Um, they go through the the housing finance agency, uh, make a, a business case for the 
for the purchase of the homes and then uh, and then buy them. Uh, basically, they're they're not for profit housing. Um, uh, Clued is 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 offering uh, some of them within within Dublin uh, at the moment, which is I suppose these are these are capped by uh, by your income. Uh, the income threshold is being uh, lifted to, to about 82,000 euro uh, combined. Uh, and then there's a, a lottery style application, uh, which opened last week for the first purpose built cost rental homes. Uh, they're on the Enniscary Road and Steps side. They're, they're run by the housing agencies responding to it. Those ones are uh, open to people who earn less than 53,000 euro a year and are, aren't in receipt of any uh, social housing support. So the the cost rental scheme wider is, is going to be in, in, increased to 52 or 82,000, but the current one that's open in step aside is, is 53,000. Uh, one of the big issues that, that AHBs have particularly is that those cutoffs have been traditionally very, very hard. So if if, for example, somebody's living in social housing uh, and the family is earning uh, just about at the threshold uh, for a single income worker and they get offered a promotion, it's in their interest not to take it because they won't be able to keep their social housing. What right. the AHBs have always argued for is that sliding scale to say, okay, you can you can better your circumstances, but you pay a bit more in rent, but then you can keep the home. And that's, what I suppose, one of the, one of the traps that they, they want to avoid um, with with, uh, with housing for all, yeah, that because keep, that does seem like a very overt poverty trap to not allow people to progress in their careers at the cost of losing their home. Um, okay, so what else? I'm just looking at the executive summary here. Renting, uh, yeah, for 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 renters, then you've you've got the uh, 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 essentially a rent value increase uh, is what they've called it. Uh, they've linked uh, rents to in in rent pressure zones you you remember them there are a kind of the more urban areas around the country to, at this point most of the country is in a rent pressure zone uh, so the the value of the, the rent will only increase uh, linked to inflation uh, there'll be regulation of short term lettings which is their way of saying that airbnbs will be will be regulated we know that they take a lot of stock out of the the overall housing market so anyone who owns an airbnb will have to, to register through Falja Ireland um and will only be permitted to have people in the in the in their property for a certain number of days a year. Then the um, when will that be coming? Then there's it, it, the aim is to have that one in over the next couple of months so that it's in place for the kind of the, the spring season next year. Um, the, the there's a, a move towards indefinite tenancies, which uh, means that basically you can uh, stay in, in your in your property forever. Now, I suppose the 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 way this is going to be done uh, is slightly different. Different. Uh, it, it's not necessarily that you sign a lease that says I can stay here forever. It just means that the review will be uh, the review in year seven uh, will be slightly different. Uh, but it does mean that, that people have a, a lot more security. Um, that's the, that's the whole aim. That how are they able to I do suppose, that if people are renting private homes? Like, well, if, I suppose that. Like if I if I own two houses and I rent one of them to Alan and Alan wants to stay indefinitely, but like maybe I want maybe I want that house back in in a couple of years if my circumstance changed. Like how can the government get involved with a private home ownership? That's my house. I can do what I want with it. No. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I what what the government will will essentially do is. Um, they legislate for what they're calling tenancies of a, in indefinite duration. They, it won't really mean that you will be able to stay forever. It will just mean that the way in which the the renter is removed becomes a little bit more fair on the on the renter side. Uh, you know, if you want the house back to, to live in or to sell it, that's that'll be completely allowed. But I, I but it won't be. I suppose at the moment, a lot of people listening will probably have found or will have heard stories of people who are kind of removed from from their rental accommodation only to see it on daft a couple of months later uh, at a much higher rate. And, mm-hmm. and that's what it's aiming to, to stamp out is this idea of get, getting people out of 
already rented accommodation and then asking them to uh, pay or ask the next person to pay, pay in more. or pay more in you know two, two or three weeks great okay um and what is next yeah i suppose for for renters then there's you're still the the last thing then is is this minimum be your standards for for private rental Um, people listening uh, with their scarves and jackets on i know i've been that soldier um just basically that you can't rent you can't put your house up for rent if it's absolutely an ice box absolutely and one of the things that that this you know this hits the notes on on climate change as well because we know that you know energy inefficient homes are, are bad for the environment so uh, this this idea will move the government towards a, a more eco-friendly rental system but also like you said it'll mean that people who are renting homes and you know particularly if you're paying the heating bill uh, that you're not kind of throughout winter banging on the heating morning noon and night and you know a lot of people working at home probably reminded them of how cold their homes were over the winter mm-hmm. um so yeah, this this is going to be a, a minimum be or for and is for that going to be rental. onto the onto the private owner to upgrade the house or else like so say if I'm renting a house at the moment and it's it's really freezing. Listening to this, I might be afraid that I'm now going to kick, get kicked out because because the house is not livable in. Do you know what I mean? Be, according to these new guidelines, it doesn't have the right BEO rating. So does that mean that I have to leave or does the owner have to make provisions while I'm still in place so that I can stay living here? Yeah, so it'll be the, the aim is to have it done around the bill, uh, around the renter that, you know, nobody would have to lose their home or move out. It, it's not envisaged. I mean, in, in the document itself, it's not envisaged to really kick off until the first quarter of 2025. Uh, so they're aiming to kind of basically say to, to landlords at this Get point let's start getting it done to you know slowly over time um I, you know i'm sure that in the budget there there will be some kind of retrofitting grant so uh you know so homeowners won't be stuck with it with the entire cost that there will be some, some kind of state subsidy for it um just before we finish um i know that there is an amount of document to still go through but um we are running out of time we might get you back what i might do is ask people to send in any of their questions and we might get you back to answer specific questions around the bill um do you think that well actually i've got two questions one how does this whole plan align with the climate action plan because like building houses is not the most climate friendly thing um, has that been addressed at all? Yeah, yeah. There's there's a number a number of mentions of of climate in in the in the bill or in the in the plan. So um, I suppose if if you look at uh, there's a, there's a line in it there where it says the you know by 2030 we'll uh, build the resilient the resilience of the the poor and ex- and those in vulnerable situations and reduce their exposure and vulnerability climate-related extreme events and other economic, social and environmental shocks and disasters, which is one of the, the, the state goals and right. one of the state's sustainable development goals. But this is, you know, the, I suppose the housing is one of those things. It's, it's resource-heavy, it's demand-heavy. You know, every house that gets built gets hooked up to the national grid, which, in, which increases consumption of electricity, which increases our need to, to find, uh, you know, alternatives yeah. to fossil fuels but there are you know there this is kind of done as that uh, you know the phrase that that ministers will say it's a whole of government approach, approach yeah, um yeah. it's 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 done within the climate action plan it's it's done within the national planning framework uh so all of the the goals that are set out are, are aligned there's no you know i've you know i've gone through all of the doc all of the documents but i'm i'm you know not, not that forensically but no major uh, misalignment that I found. Paul, just before we finish, do you think that this document goes far enough and how will we, what are the milestones we should be looking out for to see that the government are kind of on track with this? Um, I suppose, look, a plan is a plan. Um, the, these things, you know, they look great. Uh, they're, they're always well produced. They're very glossy. There's lots of shots, cranes and it, it, it's, it's great to have a plan. It's great to have something set out that says this is how we're going to address this problem um i think i think that the taoiseach made his pitch very clear on, on thursday was look we are a party uh, particularly in finfall that delivers that can get this done and i think that's that's the real question uh, you know i, th- I think 
it's probably it's realistic more than it is ambitious um it you know they're not with sounding huge major uh issues or or challenges there with with regard to, to the availability of, of workers and, and land and materials that we that we've already talked about i think it look this this plan could be could be excellent if it reaches what it what it's uh what it sets out to do uh in terms of the milestones for for people listening people know when the when the housing market is is functioning when it's not and i think it, it, last week we were talking about five or four or five homes for for rent in waterford i think when you get to the point where it's you know easier to you know to, to rent in major urban centers when it's when it's cost effective when people aren't uh, giving over massive amounts of their their income i think you know most people would use that kind of 30 between 25 and 33 percent of of the average income or or of your personal income going on your your lodgings i think when we get to that point then you'll know it's working and i think whether or not it's working in terms of milestones we'll know you you people will just intuitively know that it's working because it won't feel like a chore to to log on to daft when you're looking that you won't dread that that view that know you will that you'll know that there is a a stock of available uh, and affordable uh, houses paul hosford thank you so much if people want to get in touch with you or follow you as you follow the beat of this story where can they find you i'm at twitter at pt hosford and uh, i'm on instagram uh, at paul hosford news and you can email me paul.hosford at examiner.e and you can email him if you have other any other news stories or any other leads you might want any juicy gossip you can drop it to Paul Paul thank you so much and thank you for listening to another episode of Basically as I said in the episode if you have any specific questions about the housing plan how they impact you you can email your questions to basically at headstuff.org and I will get Paul back on to answer your questions as they gather up um, our music is by Only Ruin our graphic design is by Kahlo Gara we are produced by Alan Bennett and are part of the Headstuff Podcast Network thanks for listening <laughs>